listeners. This is Marsha Epstein. It is National Poetry Month in the USA. And today, April 26th, is Poem in Your Pocket Day. So talk with me, listeners. I hope you have your poem to share. I'm going to share mine, which is literally on this piece of paper folded that's gone in pockets and in my wallet and all kinds of places. And it is a poem that means a lot to me, both because of the poet and also the message, and a message that's very needed in these times. So before I introduce my guest, I'm going to share my poem from my pocket, What You Allow Lingers by Annette Billings. What you allow lingers, what you invite stays put. So speak rudely to discord and its sullen sisters. Turn a cold shoulder to bigotry in all its disguises. Ignore the bell when jealousy rings. Stop violence at the door like a stranger. Usher in joy like a long lost friend. Take its coat, its hat, entertain peace. Chat up passion, pamper generosity. Give the guest room to justice. Make your life poorly suited for anything but goodness. Sweep the porch and place a welcome mat for love. And when hate knocks, act like you've moved. And that was What You Allow Lingers by Annette Billings, dear friend, wonderful poet. And that poem is in A Net Full of Hope. Thank you, Annette. And I am excited today. Today, my guest is somebody that we've never done the show, and we had our first encounter, what seems like a million years ago, when I had gotten this idea that I would host a poetry slam in Lawrence, Kansas, because we needed one. (laughs) And uh, Rhonda Miller, who's an amazing poet and dear friend, and with Kansas Authors Club, all kinds of things. And Lori Tapahanzo, who is no longer living in Lawrence, has moved to the Southwest. The three of us coordinated this stuff with Lawrence Hitz providing the production stuff. The Eldridge was the venue. And my guest, Simone Savannah, was one of the judges of this delightful slam that brought people together who'd never been in the same room. We did rounds of slam with readings in between. It was amazing. I didn't know how amazing it was that people told me afterwards because I'd never been to a slam before. <laughs> so welcome, Simone. I'm very Thank happy you. to get to talk to you, to have you share what's going on these days. This is I'm exciting. to be here. Yeah, and it's poem in your pocket day. So people, you're going to get to hear poems from Simone as well. So tell people a little bit about you. Okay, well, my name is Simone Savannah. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. Um, I did my undergrad and my master's at Ohio University before coming here in 2012 to complete my doctorate um, in English and creative writing. Uh Um, I am a poet. I'm working on becoming a memoirist (laughs) at Uh some point. We'll see what happens there. Uh Um, And yeah, I love working out. I work at the gym too, um, teach cardio classes. I think that's all about me. All right. <laughs> cat Ice Tea, who's a Siamese. Ice sure Tea. Yeah. That's yeah. great. <laughs> I'm sure he will appreciate the shout out. <laughs> listens with me later. <laughs> so I am always interested in how people connect with poetry because for me, here I am, I'm this social worker who works in <laughs> helping people stay alive, helping reduce suicide risk and have good lives, you know? And I started meeting poets and painters and other artists, and I noticed that they had all of the things that I loved about them that my colleagues and I who work in helping people through talking and listening have. Mm -hmm. And I started really paying attention to how art builds connection, helps people feel less alone, helps you know, all these things happen that are so life affirming. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, how cool is this? How did I not know this? You know, Mm -hmm. then I flash back to high school and my scary English teachers. (laughs) But anyway, I'm interested. How did, how did you connect with, with writing? Um, I first connected with writing probably back in middle school. So um, I started off as a dancer, actually. So 
I danced with Ballet Met Columbus um, starting at eight, nine years old in Columbus, Ohio. April Berry is actually at the Ballet Met in Kansas City, which is crazy to me. Um, she was my teacher oh. at Ballet Met. Um, so anyway, I started um, out as a dancer before I wrote my first poem in seventh grade. I entered a, um, a talent show. <laughs> And I wrote about my mother at the time, you know, when you're in middle school, you're, you know, going through a puberty and all those changes, you and your mom were like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and so I wrote this poem about my mother and our relationship and I presented it for the first time at that talent show. And I was, was a winner. I was so happy. Um, but I encountered wow. poetry that way um, or my, my first writing experience and presenting that writing that way um, had been encountering poetry in my English classes. <laughs> Uh-huh. I had a fun English teacher, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Finn, <laughs> um, who, who gave us, who let us read really good poems. I probably can't think of them any off the top of my head right now, but also gave us opportunities to write and present in class. Uh-huh. And so I um, also had a teacher in high school, Miss um, Reeves, um, who also gave me opportunities to present poetry and writing and short stories um, to, to the Columbus community. So I think I had a lot of teachers who gave me good writing. <laughs> Um, to, to look at and to read um, and also gave me chances and opportunities to present that writing um, and other other opportunities to encounter it um, throughout school. So, yeah, I think I started writing in middle school and then continued that throughout my dance career in high school and then into college. Um, Do you remember from that time what you liked about writing? What I liked about writing? I think I was a journalist at first. I was journaling all the time uh-huh. in, my, in, my, um, in my books and my journals. And I think what it was, was just being able to see people release on the page and then also have that moment to release and let go of things on the page. Like I was writing about my mom. I was writing about feeling so conflicted and um, with her and, and just just sad mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time. And so the writing that I was encountering was also very sad. I went to Columbus Afrocentric, which is... Um, African-centered school. And so we were reading a lot about struggle, um, a lot about slavery, a lot about um, Black people and oppression. And so looking at some of those pieces, looking at the poems, the stories that we read, I think gave me that push to also um, release and let go in a very personal way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think I brought those very political pieces (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. into my life and then tried to to approach poetry from that that personal um, healing Mm -hmm. standpoint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And over the years, what has kept you enthralled with poetry? Oh, goodness, there's so many good poems out there. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I encounter a piece, I'm like, I have to write. Okay. <laughs> um, I encountered a piece yesterday um, by Danette Smith, um, Say It With Your Whole Black Mouth. And it was yes. just, oh my God. <laughs> yes. I wanted to share the poem a million times on Facebook and I'll, yes. I'll, I'll read it if I have the opportunity. You're welcome um, to. Oh, yeah, for absolutely. sure. If I can do it any justice, I'm sorry, Danette Smith. <laughs> Um, but I really, really love that piece um, just because it's, it's about wanting to say, it's about wanting to release and let go, wanting to fight back. Um, and so writing that I've encountered and held on to is writing that breaks me open, um, forces me to put what I want to let go on the page, uh-huh. um, forces me to interrogate that on the page. Um, a lot of poems that I do write are about my mother. Um, she went, she underwent gastric bypass surgery back in 2003. Um, and she died um, oh. after she, um, you know, going through complications of that, that surgery is horrible. Oh, <laughs> um, and so she, she died about seven months after that surgery. Um, and so a lot of poems that I'm writing now attempt to kind of interrogate her decision to undergo that surgery and also uh-huh. her thinking around um, her, you know, her personal feelings, um, her self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And so encountering a poem um, by Dennis Smith that deals with race and oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I always take those sort of things and try to, fi- try to figure out what they feel like in my life. Mm-hmm. So relating um, being Black to my mom's decision to undergo gastric bypass surgery, mm-hmm. um, being a heavy set um, Black woman, um, it's different going under that experience. It's get different getting medical help um, and people taking taking your pain seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of poems that I do encounter and that I uh, enjoy reading are poems that take seriously um, the pain that, that mm-hmm. I'm experiencing, mm-hmm. um, that women are experiencing, mm-hmm. that Black people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what keeps me into poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll read a little of the Dennis mm-hmm. Smith piece. Um, Say it with your whole Black mouth. Say it with your whole Black mouth. I am innocent. And if you are not innocent, say this. I am worthy of forgiveness of breath after breath. I tell you this. I let blue eyes dress me in guilt. Walked around stores convinced the very skin of my palm was stolen. 
And what good has that brought me? Days filled, flinching, thinking the sirens were reaching for me. And when the sirens were for me, did I not make peace with God? So many white people are alive because we know how to control ourselves. How many times have we died on a whim, wielded like gallows in their sunshine hands? Here standing in my own body, I say, the next time they murder us for the crime of their imaginations, I don't know what I'll do. I did not come to preach of peace, but that is not the hunted's duty. I came here to say what I can't say without my name being added to a list. But my mother fears, I will say, what she wishes to say to herself. I came here to say, I can't bring myself to write it down. Sometimes I dream of pulling a red apology from a pig's collared neck and wake up cracking up. If I dream of setting fire to cul-de-sacs, I wake chained to the bed. I don't like thinking about doing to white folks what white folks done to us. When I do, can't say, I don't dance. Oh, my people, how long will we reach for God instead of something sharper? My lovely doll with a taste for me. Take the hunter by his hand. Um, I really, really love this piece. Yeah. Um, it just, just cuts me. Um, but that that moment in that in the poem where, where the speaker is trying to say, <laughs> you know, um, something against the oppressor, um, trying to trying to voice. Um, either some fear or some anger. Um, I think it's also what I could have in some of my pieces, um, being angry towards my mother's decision to do that, but also understanding, Mm -hmm. um, being angry of her having to make that decision in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And also thinking about my experiences um, in graduate school and just being a Black woman um, in this world, um, what I'm having to put on the page. Um, Sometimes I do write those very personal poems that aren't so political, but thinking about the poems that I have to write and and the words that I have to put on the page in order to feel, (laughs) in order to make it and um, and sort of navigate this world in a way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think poetry is about navigating (laughs) on the world's about interrogating. I think it it can also be very healing in Mm -hmm. some ways. To me, it's interesting that I have gained this appreciation of contemporary poetry because in other kinds of things, like I don't like to read short stories because they end too quickly. <laughs> they do. You know? That's why I don't like to write them because I'm like, I have more. <laughs> yeah, 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 poetry fills me in a different yeah, way. Yeah, you know? short. Yeah, yeah. And so it it, uh, it always surprises me, and and it it will get me saying again to people. Buy books, yes, yeah, because there's this beauty in hearing the poem, and there's this richness in being mm-hmm. able to really savor it and really look at the words and how they're laid out yeah. on the page, and and the meanings that come when you have that slowness mm-hmm. of, of really being involved with you know line after line, yeah, yeah. and so to me it's mm-hmm. it's a gift to have it in print. Yeah, yeah. I'm the person who would go to a meeting like, you know, take this hand out about this. I don't want any paper, but books, I want you books. You want to see everything <laughs> that's happening on the page. There's so much more yeah. that can happen, yeah. you know, as you yeah. encounter, it, encounter it in writing versus yeah. hearing it or, yeah. you know. And and speaking of books, I as I always <laughs> say, man, buy them as close as you can yes. to the writer, the small press. Mm-hmm. The independent bookstore can yes. get it for you if mm-hmm. you can't find it other ways. And you're in Lawrence, that'd be Raven Bookstore. So because I've mentioned this, you have a new book. Yes, I do. Tell us about it. Yes, I have a new chat book. Um, like Kansas is published through Big Lux. You can find it at Raven Bookstore. I think they still have some copies or you might be able to find it um, online on my website, SimoneSavannah.com or um, BigLux.com. Um, but I started writing Like Kansas when I first got to Lawrence. Um, the funny story because I came here from Ohio. I didn't have any friends except for the people that I had met online um, in the program. Um, and from my visit. Um, so I began writing about just what it felt like to be very, um, to be an other here in Lawrence. Um, just being in gym classes, being in my classroom, being sometimes being the only Black woman or the only Black person. So uh-huh. I began trying to write down um, these these observations about how I was feeling oh, in my journal and also you know, these poems. And I was also writing about my very personal love, sex life, over, you know, thinking, I have no one here. <laughs> you know, I just came and I was trying to connect those experiences, feeling very um, 
denied pleasure, denied love in certain ways, and also being here where I'm always um, under some sort of gaze. So either some sort of white gaze, some sort of male gaze, and trying to put those two into conversation. So in like Kansas, you get a lot of uh, me um, reacting and responding to microaggressions, be they, mm-hmm. they racial, be they um, sexual microaggressions, or even macroaggressions. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get these very personal moments where I'm talking about um, a past lover or thinking about friends and rituals and recipes. So it's a fun chat book. I love it. That's uh-huh. <laughs> my work. I should love it. Yes. Um, so yeah, if you, um, it's a short, I think it's about 35 pages. Um, so it's a short book um, and I'll be turning that into a full collection pretty soon. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Time. And you, I know you just did a release of, pre- of reading. At yes. The yes. Raven. Thank you, Danny saying. at the Raven. Yes, yes. Yes. I was able to do my release party last Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So poetry is is a lot for you. And you also mentioned you're heading towards memoir as well. Yes. Um, so I again I started off writing in my journal um as a you know middle school, you know, writing all the questions I had, <laughs> all those things, and then um moving over to poetry, I think, because that was the easier thing that I could do. <laughs> I could write these long novels. Um, and I tried that short stories when I was in high school. Um, but there's something about the memoir that really attracts me. And I think it is that I've been trying, again, I bring up my mother a lot because I'm trying to understand. Uh, she died when I was 15. And so, and I'm 30 this year. And so been alive just as much, yeah. you know, as I had her in my life. Um, and so I'm really trying to understand who she was as a person, like getting to know her as a woman and not just my mother, as someone who lived and had desires and, you know, fears uh, in a life and experiences. And so trying to pull those out of my poems uh-huh. and make them to these longer, longer pieces that also involve my life. And so seeing my mother's life or seeing my life through my mother's life as well, I think that we've had a lot of similar experiences um, dealing with the body, dealing with relationships. And so... Um, it's my attempt here to not only write about my mother and my life, but write about put those together, but also write about um, the things I'm experiencing or did experience in graduate school mm-hmm. uh, and just writing about writing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, been a lot been on my mind a lot thinking about um, what is this writing that I'm doing? Why am I still a writer? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you're in graduate program, um, everything pushes you away from writing. You're like, I'm so tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what keeps me into this um, into this art? Um, even after graduating. Um, and, you know, I'm 30 now and I was like 12 when I wrote my first poem. So just thinking about um, memoir as another way to stay in writing and stay writing about the self um, and writing about um, my experiences with therapy, <laughs> um, my experience reading other writers and encountering other writers and other writing. Um, yeah, so I'm just dipping in there. I, I, read, I came across a poetry book um, I can't think of the author right now. It's on top of my head. Um, it's called Mirror. And they're also looking at, they have poems and memoirs, some sort of uh, multi-genre collection uh-huh. where they're also looking at their mother's life um, uh-huh. and their life at the same time. So I'm trying to figure out what this memoir will look like for me <laughs> um, and how it will take shape. But yeah, I'm trying to get into that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you focused on in your doctoral program? In my doctoral program, I was focused on, so my interests are African-American women's literature and African-American literature more generally, um, also women's literature and women's poetry, um, also thinking about performance poetry as well. Um, my poems are not only on the page, but they also perform them as uh-huh. well. Yeah. Um, i trying to think of other things that I was focused on. It's like five years of everything. <laughs> um, but um, along those, more specifically, um, Black female sexuality, the ways in which Black women are um, policed. Um, within our own communities and outside of our communities. Um, some of the classes that I taught, I taught a class called um, Becoming a Rap Genius, where we looked at um, rap lyrics as poetry, as uh-huh. performance pieces. Um, the students had a lot of fun with that class. Um, so maybe it'll come back around. Um, other things that we looked at, mainly my, my focus was race, sexuality, and gender, and Black women's text, um, uh-huh. and also another feminist text, too. So my dissertation was a critical... Um, in creative collection, the critical section, the introduction, um, went through this timeline of feminist literature and Black feminist literature, um, letting people know that that's where I'm hoping to fit in uh-huh. in some ways. Yeah. Exciting stuff. <laughs> and very personal on, on, in all the ways. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything you do, whether it's, you're so clear in how you're talking about it, that it's 
it's all related to your experience as a black woman yeah. and sharing that, which to me, I know for me as a white woman, it's something I appreciate when I can learn from other people mm -hmm. whose experiences are very different because of the way this gigantic American culture <laughs> treats people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that part. And, and then I also think about, you know, other people, uh, other women of color who will, who will see you as someone who's able to express things yeah. that they aren't necessarily yeah. able and and I think you know I think about conversation like just last night I was talking with um, a woman who is an African American woman who had I'm not sure how long she's lived in Lawrence and she said she has always felt very welcome in everything she's done in Lawrence and I said <laughs> I I am glad to hear that's your experience and it surprises me yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, none of my friends of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. And it's interesting yeah, yeah, because yeah. she was really clear that that's her, you know, that's her reality. That's mm -hmm. her lens, you know. Yeah. It's like, well, and then we talked to them about her growing up in a small town and, you know, that, that she is of an age where she grew up and the, there was a drugstore where you could buy something, but you couldn't be served at the counter. And oh, I see. Swim. Okay. She said, "I never learned to swim because we weren't allowed." Mm -hmm. and, you know, and so it was interesting to me to see what she shared about her journey mm -hmm. from those experiences to how she experiences life in this moment. And I would say a big part of that is her choice. Yeah, you know, and she's she was clear about that. That you know, she's she wants it to be good and she looks for the good and <laughs> tries yeah. to not pay attention. And it's like, that appears to work for her. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like, yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's, that's your reality that mm -hmm. works for you. It doesn't look like that to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Color, but, yeah. You know, we have different ways of navigating. Yeah. 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 And trying to stay, you know, alive and happy. Yeah. 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 And, and we need to, to figure out what is genuine, as my friend Stephanie Mott would say, what is authentic yeah, for us? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, mm -hmm. what is your real, real journey? And and I'm struck by your your mom's death being for you and for her, obviously at a young age. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She was 37. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I try to talk about that a lot in my work, um, just because just to honor her and mm -hmm. that experience. Um, yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> that's good. And Just because thinking, yeah. I, I pick up on it in the, on another level, which is I'm very interested in poetry that is inspired by love and loss. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think just just this last year or this year, Taylor Molly mm -hmm. um, released a chapbook called The Wetting Stone, Wetting Like mm -hmm. a Knife Sharpening, yeah. which is about him grappling with his first wife's death from suicide mm -hmm. and uh, the Edward Hirsch book, Gabriel, a poem, which is about it's one long, like 70 plus page poem. Mm -hmm. And um, his, his son died of an accidental drug overdose wow. in his twenties. Um, and Alexis Rowan Fancher, who has the Joshua elegies mm -hmm. um, about her son dying from a cancer, you know, and to me, we don't talk about loss in general, we don't. Yeah, yeah, and it's so important. And so I, I really appreciate the the people those who are who are willing to you know be that vulnerable and tender as a gift to other people. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, it's really hard <laughs> writing those poems, and I, I think I shied away from writing these sad poems about loss and about grief for a very long time. Um, and I think it's because. Um, it does, it does reflect that sadness, you know, that you don't want to always experience, that you might try to um, cover up or, or navigate around. <laughs> I'm going to stay happy and healthy. Um, but I do find that these poems, like I said in the beginning, rip you open in some ways um, and allow you to say exactly um, how you're feeling or, or what's going on through you um, in those moments. Mm -hmm. um, the poems that I write about my mom, I, I don't think I looked them, at them as lost before, before you said that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I connect yeah, love yeah, and loss. Yeah, 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 love yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. I didn't connect those or, or look at those poems as as loss at first. Um, I think because I was so hung up on or 
still hung up on this decision that she had to make, you yes. know, and, and about this body. And um, and I think I'm just now writing these poems that I would say are clearly, for me, um, beginning to say I've lost <laughs> my mother. Um, I published a piece years after you died. I don't have the copy, but there's a, a, a video poem of it um, through the Continental Review. And just asking questions or, or saying that, like, I don't know you, <laughs> you know, you passed away and I don't, I didn't have that chance to really know you yes. um, as a woman. Yes. Um, a lot of my friends get to pick up the phone and call their mom, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and get to know them in different ways yeah. and, and experience them as adults. And so a lot of poems that I'm writing now are exiting or still, you know, thinking about race and the body, but beginning to think and consider um, me losing, you know, a piece yeah. of myself in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And like you're saying, because of your age, it wasn't the time when you would naturally have switched a focus to learning more about your mom. You yeah, know, mm -hmm. I, I relate to in in with different circumstances, but I my mom also died in two thousand three. Oh wow! And um, but my mom was much older than your mom. I was much older than fifteen when mm -hmm. my mom died, and so, but I didn't really get to understand my mom until. This is kind of embarrassing, but so I went back to grad school mm -hmm. as a non-traditional student to get my social work degree. Um, had a wonderful full-time job. Was fortunate that my family, uh, my husband, was very supportive, and we had two young kids. And I was like, I'm going to continue my full-time job and mm -hmm. go to grad school. <laughs> <laughs> and and when I took this class, that I really there were some writings that I really appreciated that were related to um, diversity. And it prompted me to say, hey, mom, I want to come home and talk to you some about what it was like growing up in your Russian household. Mm -hmm. We've never taught, you know, that my, my, my maternal grandparents and my mom didn't really talk much about that. But my grand, her, her parents were immigrants. She was first generation American. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, what was that like? Well, so my mom ended up saying things and then apologizing. She said, I've, I've never told people these, some of these things I've just told you. I'm so sorry because it's a burden that I've told mm. you. Know it's like no, I mean, but it but it gave me that opportunity that you didn't get mm. to yeah. understand how was what was some of the background from some of the choices that my mom made mm -hmm. because in our situation, mom, <laughs> our our mom loved us yeah. so mm -hmm. much. And our mom also made terrible choices in mm -hmm. relationships. And we, as a, as a set of siblings, my three brothers and I, and me as the only girl, had a lot of negative consequences mm -hmm. from some of her partners, you know. And I, and it's, and I didn't know anything about mm -hmm. how did that happen? How did, <laughs> you, how did you make yeah. mistake after mistake mm -hmm. after mistake, you know? And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah, but like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, big well, mistakes. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And so then, you know, she explained some of her own struggles. It gave me that context where, okay, she was doing her best in these ways, coming from a place of really intense depression and a sense of lack of self worth and never good enough mm -hmm. for her father. She believed in all this stuff. And I was like, this is you so never sad. know. Yeah, yeah. What's and you didn't you yeah. didn't get that opportunity with your mom. Yeah, because you. you know, as you're talking about, you grew up dancing. Mm -hmm. And you're saying your mom had weight issues, mm -hmm. and you know, so there's some intersection there. I yeah. have to assume mm -hmm. that you know maybe she wanted for you something mm -hmm. that she wasn't able to do for herself. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know, but but you didn't get to, yeah, to ask have those, those conversations. Yeah, I, I wish. Yeah, yeah. I only yeah. hear things through my father, uh -huh. you know, and my and my siblings, um, some who are older. Um, so I didn't get the chance to ask, you know, what motivated some of these decisions or, you know, um, you know, when you're angry at your mother when you're in middle school. Yeah, school, you're supposed to you're be. like, I'm so mad at you. And you have yeah. no idea that, you know, she's suffering from some sort of trauma or yeah. depression. You yeah. don't know anything. Yeah. You don't yeah. know what you're getting. So, And it's okay that you're angry. Yeah, yeah it's, it's okay. 15, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. developing, you're becoming independent, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. It means your mom is doing well with you. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you were able to be angry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Those of us who are terrified of being angry are the ones who are in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so glad. <laughs> I have a chance to like lash out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it'll be, you know, as, as you go on in your life and reflect on what you know about yeah. your mom and your relationship and the way that those affect.
could do that. Beautiful that you can put that in writing mm-hmm. and, and you know, you're, you're continuing her legacy, which is part of what I, I am a strong believer of yeah. related to, you know, when our loved ones die that, that one, I always try to get conversations about who they were in life. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. not mm-hmm. just that they have died. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. and things that we may want to do because, we cherish this person mm-hmm. and we want this person's memory to go on. Yeah. Very cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of exciting. We haven't had you yet share one of your mm-hmm. own pieces. Bring one up here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple on my website that are linkable. So if you ever get on there. Yeah, we need to make sure people know it, that mm-hmm. your website is available. I didn't found your Twitter feed, but I didn't yeah. find your website. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you published in so many so online many, journals. Oh, so when you search your name, <laughs> I get all these things, but I didn't get your website. Yes, um, it's up there. So I will read. I'll read a poem about my mother. Uh-huh. We were here on that subject. Um, and if people have forgotten, this is Simone Savannah that I'm talking about. Yes. Wonderful, rich conversation about family and writing, all kinds of good things. All right, so this is um, If My Mother Were Alive. If my mother were alive, we'd talk about our men. We'd laugh, throw our heads back, push each other at the shoulders. Say, remember the man you left early in the morning? And when you got dad to say that he was gay so that what's his name wouldn't think you were still sleeping with him? She'd tell me that not all men can be conquered that easily. And that she had wanted to be loved, really loved by a man, but they were only one to her because she was beautiful. My second cousin calls me Tracy sometimes. She says I sound like my mother when I laugh. And she says I don't take men seriously either and only fuck them, just want to fuck them. I want to tell her it's because I'm black and a woman and want a chance at my own body. That my mother's surgery was her having a chance at her own body. That she fucked men because we have all learned to fuck men. But I think men, I think Pam knows all of this. She's a black woman too. She knows the lives of men because each of the men she married died. They whittled her. She tries not to remember running to the alley and discovering bullet holes in her second husband's chest. I want to know why my mother wanted the surgery. Positioned herself as fixable. A black woman, a black female body, sex and body and color, in need of cutting and blending, like to be too large and too dark. I'd ask my mother if she really believed the doctors that her body was too much, if she thought it too heavy and wet when she tried to hold or touch herself. I'd lean on my mother, ask if she thought her body was too much, the way my body is too much, when some of the men look at me. And all the scholars look at me like my body is black and female and fixable, or like my body is black and female and fixed. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I published that one um, back in July, 2017. Um, and again, that's about my mother and, and really thinking about her decision to undergo that surgery, um, whether it was motivated by, you know, just her, her body, <laughs> you know, her physical body, um, and also by what men, you know, say about her, my grandfather included, and men that she was in relationships with. So just reflecting on that and also thinking about um, my experiences um, with my body and um, being looked at or, or picked at or told to change or um, just being stereotyped in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. About my body. And being a dancer. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. I fear that there was lots of Oh my God! You should look this way. You should look that yes. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was uh, I was in Upper Brown program when I was in high school, and we had an instructor there, um, and she she knew that I danced. I danced outside. Um, I, I was at Athens, and I danced outside of that um, back at home. And I remember she took me to the side and was like, "You're a beautiful dancer," and then she was like. But I think you should lose some weight. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my. I think I had to be maybe 16. I think my mother had just passed. I turned 15 in my uh, mother. Yeah. So it was just like all this going on. I'm like, why would you say that to me? Yeah. So I ended up consulting the director about it, of course. Um, and she was like, Not take of course. Care of her. It's amazing yeah, it, that yeah, you yeah. had the courage yeah. to oh do God. that. I don't know what made me do that. But I was just so hurt and upset. Yeah, that she decided to say that because I thought she was bringing me in to tell me you know I was a wonderful dancer and that uh-huh. you know work on these things, but it was just like your weight. 
Um, and maybe that is like motivating me in different ways um, now um, as a fitness instructor, but I, it's, I, I've never seen the body that way. I've never seen it as incapable um, or wrong because it, it looks a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, I've never been that way. So it really shocked me that um, she is a dancer <laughs> would talk to me a child um, uh -huh. about my body in that way. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it was really strange. I've never yeah. understood that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I get where it comes from, obviously, um, but just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Having to sit down and, and say, okay, I don't want to lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 16. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. 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 And the pain of that and the timing. Yeah. And, yeah. Perfect. Timing. And again, the fact that you had that courage to say to somebody administrative, like, this was yeah. wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she sat me down and talked to me about everything. Um, and I was able to say, yeah, this is perfect timing, right? Like my mother just passed. Yeah. Um, and you know, had issues with her body. And to say that to me was, yeah. you know, yeah. right even more. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to KU's yes. dance department. Oh, I don't know how much if you've had. Much. I took one. I audited a class for a couple of days. <laughs> it was yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michelle Hefner is, is the dean or whatever she's called, I don't know. Sorry if I said it wrong, Michelle. But um, she and I have kind of known each other off and on. And I, I got involved with um, some students who had some personal experiences with suicide. But where I'm headed is, so there was this student dance performance that was coordinated that was about staying connected to hope through hard times. And mm -hmm. it was... It was, I can't remember, I've got the program still up there. But it was, let's say it was a dozen pieces, okay. student read, student choreographed, so uh, created by students, danced by students, and this whole beautiful night. And one of the things, and this is what prompts me, one of the things that I was so impressed by was the diversity of appearance mm -hmm. of these dancers. Yeah. There were tall dancers. There were tiny dancers. Mm -hmm. Literally, I mean, one person who I'm sure was maybe four foot ten or something, wow. like really, yeah, really, yeah, tiny. really, really tiny in, in that sense. Different body types, mm -hmm. different skin colors. There were not many men, but there were some mm -hmm. who were clearly presented as men. And and just seeing that it wasn't this set of they all look the same, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I thought, how cool is that mm -hmm. to see all these people doing these amazing things mm -hmm. in these dance performances, very moving. And and again, the diversity of appearance. And they, yeah. they obviously all celebrated who they were and what they were doing mm -hmm. in those moments. Like, That's yes. Awesome. <laughs> so wonderful to see. Yes, yes, yes. I have a cousin who was her her heart was ballet mm -hmm. and she was a short muscular white woman who was told you'll never have a career you're too you're you don't have a ballet dance body and she did become a dance critic and danced for herself but oh, it was like she was told in her, what in is her a time, dance body <laughs> yeah, yeah but that's the, yeah. That, that was how she was told that she mm -hmm. wasn't so cool that that's not what's happening up here. Yes, yes. So so sorry that you had that experience. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. And and again, so like astounded that ah, sixteen year old. I'm oh my god! Right. <laughs> yeah. Your mama did good yeah, raising yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Like, go talk. Go talk somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that that is a, and I do yeah, think yeah. you know another way that had the right to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about that. I was like, I did do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So some of the things we do, we you know, we don't know quite where we come from that brought us to this place. And then it's like, oh, yeah. You know? My, my mom did have something yeah. to do with who yeah. I am. <laughs> Even the hard stuff that happened mm -hmm. brought yeah. some richness and some openness that I might not have had otherwise. Yeah. This brings you to a good place. Yeah. 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 Do you have siblings? Yes. I have six siblings. Okay. <laughs> I have six. Um, I have three brothers and three sisters. Uh -huh. Yeah. And actually, my um, we found a sister. My older sister, we're only 10 months apart. Uh -huh. um, we found her back in 2016, uh, 15, 16. Uh -huh. um, she, my mother gave her up for adoption right before oh. I was born. And it was a secret that she took to the grave. Oh. <laughs> um, some people have new, obviously, mm -hmm. um, but 
we we were searching for her for a very long time and we were able to find her. So yeah, so now she's in the in the crew. <laughs> and there are seven of us all together now. Wow. Yeah. Anybody else an artist like you? Oh. Not necessarily art like yours, but anybody else an, an artist? No, my brother is into fitness and he, you know, creates work. So that's creative. <laughs> um, he's building his own gym. Um, thinking, no, I don't think so. Everyone else is pretty much, um, they just, you know, they work. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but none of, nobody is a dad. Oh, actually, my sister is a singer. She's a singer. She is. Yeah, she told me she's classically trained. <laughs> she wow. still hasn't sang anything for me yet, but <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And. I think back to, I think it was two years ago, Elizabeth Schultz, Beth Schultz, mm -hmm. who's a poet in town, did a performance night with her poetry and Joan Stone, who's a retired professor of dance at KU. Oh, so nice. Joan danced to oh, the poetry. Nice. Mm -hmm. So perhaps, yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> I'll dance or have my sister come in and sing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That's really, really mm -hmm. awesome. Makes me think about one reading that I was at at Raven and this moment I can't pull up all three names, but the three women who were the featured readers also did a piece together. Oh nice. Like, Collaborative piece. Cool. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. So you said that some of your poetry really is performance poetry is part of your thing. So what yes. kinds of things like, are, are you frequently or, you know, do people find you at a mic very often? Um, so when I'm invited to readings, I did a reading, of course, at the Raven last uh -huh. Wednesday. And then I got invited to The Word in Omaha, Nebraska last uh -huh. Thursday. So nice. I was able to perform there. Um, and when I say perform, I, I always, you know, when people read their poems in that very monotone. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I'm like, I hate that. <laughs> So when I say perform, I just mean that I read my yes. poems, that there's body yes. language, there's right. voice, there's eye contact, you know, yeah. there's some expression there. Yes. So um, that's what I'm defining as performance. I think all poetry in some way should be performed yes. or, or spoken in some yes. way. So I really appreciate that slam that you, that you put on. Yeah. Well, see, and I think that's a niche of whether you want to call it coaching, mentoring, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know that there are some people whose words are very beautiful on the stage, yeah. excuse me, on the page, mm -hmm. but they don't yet know how to present right. those with the same beauty. Mm -hmm. And I always think that there are some people who could be good at helping yeah. people learn that because your your work will be received in a different way, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, true. Yeah, because some people, like you said, they don't always encounter the text. Yeah. Um, or they don't always have a book. And so even a lot of my friends, they don't read a lot of like poetry. Uh -huh. um, so they, they rather listen and see performance. Uh -huh. yeah. So uh -huh. that's another way for people to encounter it in the first yes. place. So yes. and, and bringing them to the page. Yeah. 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 I think that's the reason why a lot of my friends are buying my book. because they've, they've seen and heard it first. Yeah. You know? And so they're like, oh, it must be cool on the page. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, and I love that. I, this book is sitting right here on top. This, this is, um, the Sauntering Eye from Beth Schultz, mm -hmm. she she read some poems from this particular book at the Poetry Fair on mm -hmm. Sunday the yeah. 22nd, mm -hmm. that, that annual event here in Watts during USA's National Poetry Month. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. and I was so taken by those particular poems. It's like, mm -hmm. I want this book. Beautiful, yeah. I love Beth Schultz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, yeah. listeners, Buy books, buy yes, books, buy books. books. Yes. You know, it's it's great that we can get a lot of poetry for free online. On YouTube and but online. But we need to sustain, support, yeah, yeah and, the art. and have that pleasure of being able to really look again and again what those words are. Yeah, well, and the have right them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and obsess over them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's just it's beautiful. So... You do some readings. Mm -hmm. You're going to be doing that, and so people need to look for that. Do you do you tend to post those on your face? Excuse me, on your website that you've got um, readings. Yes, up? yes. So I, I normally post. Yeah, I normally post them um, on my website in the news section or the reading section. Uh -huh. um, sometimes they're only a week out before uh -huh. I post them, uh -huh. or people ask to come out. Um, ask me to come out and read. Um, so I try to keep people updated. I don't have any coming up soon but maybe over the summer some will come and i'll post those to the website 
And I apologize because I don't know this. Mm -hmm. Are you part of Black Lawrence? So I'm a semi a part of Black Lawrence. I haven't been able to make any of the performances just yet. Um, But once I'm able to make that full commitment, then I'll be part of Black Lawrence. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable saying what that is? Um, No, 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 no. Yeah. I think that Mercedes is over that. They recently asked me to join. So now I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Well, I I guess I just want to say just Mm -hmm. to give a little bit of explanation. What we're talking Mm -hmm. about is uh, basically an artist collective Mm -hmm. of Black artists and their performance nights. And it's not, it's like everything else. It's not only meant to be people who are part of that go into that. It's like we all have this opportunity yeah, for this yeah. richness of going and hearing different voices, different seeing art, different yeah. kinds of art. Mm-hmm. So there'll be, uh, I think about Alex Kimball, and she is a <gasps> so talented musician mm-hmm. as well she as poet, is, yeah. and definitely a social justice advocate. She's, mm-hmm. she's somebody who's very generous about sharing information for people like me, white people to learn things mm-hmm. we need to know that we may not understand, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I encourage people, you, there's a Facebook page yep. mm-hmm. Black Lawrence, uh, for yeah. Black Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about is this art group. Mm-hmm. Cool things. I know they just had a performance last week. They often have things on final Friday, which is tomorrow. Yeah, I so, yeah. And I just, I was away for this conference and I'm like, oh, I still don't yeah, know what's so going on. on well, I just don't know yeah. what's going on. When. Except mm-hmm. I do know, now that I said that, mm-hmm. people hear this in time, Vanessa Renaga from the Lawrence Public Library organized this thing called Poetry on Demand. Oh, nice. And so as part of our April Poetry Month, and final Friday from five to seven on tomorrow, Friday, or what, I don't know when you're listening, on Friday, April 27th, there will be poets stationed around downtown doing poetry on demand. Oh, nice. So a (laughs) bunch of different poets with their typewriters ready to create for people, which I think is really amazing. That's so cool. Poetry on demand. Yeah. I've I've heard about such events. I don't know that we've really had that in Lawrence before, but yeah, there are smaller ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People sit with their typewriters. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have a a friend who would be she was called the typewriter oracle and it was a performance art thing that she would also often be included in other kinds of uh, art events. Like Mm -hmm. it might be a gallery having an opening and then Jordan would be there with her typewriter and creating poetry on demand. Oh, my God. Really That's a lot wonderful. of pressure. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be fun. <laughs> so enjoy. People can enjoy poetry. They can stop into Raven Bookstore. They can look for uh, this little book that uh, this woman named Simone Savannah has at. <laughs> As well as other books. A great, that's one of the wonderful things about The Raven is mm-hmm. there's this great collection of poetry, local and otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> and readings, the yes. readings, you know. And we support those by buying books. Yes, yes. <laughs> Visit a bookstore. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. And, and I'm also interested in your teaching because I'm thinking you have so much to share and and as a at the position that you have at the university, do you create the topics of your courses or do you kind of have to fit into, well, we need somebody to teach this, so that's what you're doing? How does that work? Oh, I see. So we do definitely have goals and standards um, for the department. So right now I'm teaching English 102, which is critical reading and writing, and I've also taught English 101 composition. Um, but we also have classes, um, English 203. Um, so some people have done Disney classes, Disney and feminism, so they're able to create their own classes as long uh-huh. as they align with the mm-hmm. English department's goals. Um, but you're able to create the, create the assignments as well as some of the so the larger assignments and the smaller assignments and activities. So the Rap Genius class that I um, uh-huh. taught, actually Kenton Ramsey, who graduated back in 2000, I'm going to mess this up, 15, I believe. <laughs> Um, he created that class, and so he was aligning text from the early 19th century um, with hip-hop lyrics. And so when he got a job at um, UT Austin, he asked me to take over the class. And oh, so I nice. said, okay, maybe I'll put my own um, poetry spin on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Of course, we began to align those texts with, um, so looking at Jay-Z lyrics and figuring out how they match up with Zordon Hurston uh-huh. um, and characteristics of, characteristics of Negro expression, uh-huh. um, her essay. 
Um, and then also looking at just, you know, contemporary rap, um, rap songs and rap lyrics as poems, um, having students go through and identify poetic devices and make their own arguments about what a text or a song is doing. Um, and then having them, of course, look at the different structures of rap songs and compare them to the structure of the poem. So looking at them as poems as rap, but also looking at them as distinct art forms as well. So how how do you in that particular class tackle the misogyny? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's really hard because a lot of poem or sorry, a lot of lyrics that students will bring into class are full of it. Um, and so of course we have conversations around that. Um, we we do read Trisha Rose, um, who has several essays, um, and then she has the book. I'm losing losing the title right now. Um, Hip hop wars. And there's another text that she has that talks about misogyny in hip hop. Mm-hmm. So we're able to look at um, hip hop as being a part of this American culture that's very misogynist. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're looking at that culture as influencing hip hop in some ways. And then a lot of people, a lot of students will go in and interrogate those conversations or those, um, I guess, instances of sexism and misogyny in the lyrics. And mm-hmm. so tackling it by by interrogating it, um, by bringing it, so not hiding it and saying, oh, you know, this is this is happening in other music, but by saying, this song is here, it's problematic, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or are there other things in the song that we might consider mm-hmm. um, that are related to um, why this person has to be so misogynist mm-hmm. or sexist um, in the lyrics? So we try to, in some ways, just tackle it <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of avoiding it or um, or making it seem as if it's not, it's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. much there. Because you have this powerful, it's sort of pressure. I can call it an opportunity, <laughs> you uh-huh. know. But but the this thing about okay, here you are at this university mm-hmm. <clears throat> in this community that's very 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 white. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here you are, this African American, you know, woman, feminist, you mm-hmm. know, body positive. You have a doctorate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all these things that, for some of your students, you are not like anybody mm-hmm. they've ever encountered. Mm-hmm. And so, for some, I mean, I think about women of color. It's like, yes, finally. Yeah. Uh-huh. And for some who might be from some rural community mm-hmm. where they have um, things that they're open to changing, but they didn't know, right, yeah. you know, that it, mm-hmm. that it could be really challenging. Mm-hmm. They might be surprised that you're the professor. Oh, whatever. <laughs> One, they think I'm really, really young. Uh-huh. <laughs> and two, um, I, think that, I think a lot of students are shocked when they do come into the classroom and see that I am a black woman um, teaching. Um, a lot of times that does, um, I guess, affect some of our relationships or how well students want to do in class or even there, um, you know, you get a lot of pushback. <laughs> Um, but trying to, I guess, pull them back <laughs> mm-hmm. into the classroom and, and be able to create some sort of relationship with me as a teacher, as someone there to mentor their writing and their understanding. Mm-hmm. So it is difficult. Um, and then, and sometimes they do push back or they don't under, they don't want to take what I'm saying or have a conversation with me sometimes when it is about race, when it is about sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just making sure that um, we focus on the ideas in class. We focus on those texts and also are open to having conversations with people who don't look like you or have mm-hmm. the same experiences as mm-hmm. you. Um, I try to push them that I'm also a part of that. I'm not only your teacher, but I'm also, you know, fellow member of society. And right, so right. there's a reason we're learning. There's a reason I'm here as yeah. an instructor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a huge opportunity for people to learn in so many ways, mm-hmm. you know, who haven't had that um, in part because, they may seek out your writing and yeah. then see even more about who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. But to have that experience of this is a really serious, smart person teaching my class who isn't like other teachers I've mm-hmm. known before. And so I get the gift of grappling with that, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really so positive. And I invite them to readings uh-huh. <laughs> to come out so they see the full me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and they always, I think, I think that helps a lot too to see that I am a person in this world, uh-huh. you know, and that they can also um, learn from me in different ways. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. and to challenge themselves to, you know, I guess because I think about, you know, people make people do have a that habit of making assumptions mm-hmm. based on appearance, based on are your clothes form fitting, are they right, yeah, or, you know, uh, is your mm-hmm. skirt short, or you do you know, do your are your clothes baggy or your blah 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 blah, you know, Everything all else. those things that people have reactions to. 
and to know that we're here to learn together in, in a university class and it's it's about the learning and I don't get to discount anybody. You know, yeah. they, mm -hmm. they have whatever challenges and opportunities as they're learning about you and then they look around their class and they can take that out into the world yeah. and their class and beyond to go, hey, I don't have the right to assume this person isn't mm -hmm. very smart because she's so pretty or whatever. Right, yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And unfortunately that happens. I think about friends I have, women who, who are in roles that aren't as traditional female, mm -hmm. who often get sort of, you know, well, can you get me to the real person? Oh, all the time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, someone else I can speak to? I'm yeah. like, I am the instructor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which has to be both infuriating and then you hope that, I hope that that, that again, is something people take out. In addition to learning about writing, whatever, you mm -hmm. know, is, is being discussed in the class that that, that really broader benefits it's awesome which puts a lot of pressure on you yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> come learn from me or with me yeah. and yeah. so i love that you're saying like you tell them about your readings and they come mm -hmm. and see you and you're you know maybe you're at the tap room and you're drinking a beer and yeah, you're talking yeah. to people uh -huh. and like yeah she actually is a, a real person, person. yeah <laughs> I always trying to be like, oh, I'm just sitting in your office all day. Like, oh, I do other things too. How do I have poets yeah. were? Asked, yeah. You know, what do you mean you're a dancer and a poet? Yeah. I thought poets just, were just writers mm -hmm. and in their heads. I didn't know they could be in their bodies too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's inspirational for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have another poem of yours that you I do? I can bring one up here. Yeah, we love them. Let's see. Let's think of a. Okay, so my favorite piece. Ooh, cool. <laughs> this is my favorite one. I think this is probably one of the pieces that started off my collection, like Kansas. Um, so it's sort of a love poem, sort of a poem that comments on um, womanhood and marriage um, and being in relationships or being gay stat. Um, it's called Like One for Having. Sometimes it is the yellow spotted bananas on my refrigerator that make me think of you. Not for your touch or for the chocolate. But because of the time you went to work and left me at your place, so that if I got hungry, I could have anything I wanted. I thought if you had bananas, I would crump dance in your kitchen. But no, you did not have bananas, so I ate your peanuts and drank your last bottle of water. Thought about how you said I could have anything. I wondered if hunger is why women get married. Not for the bananas, but for the company and for the having anything. I wonder now if hunger is why men send me strange messages about how they want to spit in my throat or call me baby or sweetheart and ask me to say what I want to do with their dicks and my tongue. I have only wanted to eat you and ripe bananas and sometimes only want to eat you and I dancing in your living room, taking shots of Red Bull in 1800. Like you have no idea. I conjured you. That's yeah. powerful. When I was actually, when I was looking for things online, mm -hmm. I found that piece. And I think I've heard you read that. And I thought, this is so cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Getting us thinking. So, so I love these things that we're talking about, bringing things together from family mm -hmm. to race, to feminism, to you know, body positivity, to just all this stuff. So we are at the end of the hour <gasps> so fast. on this <laughs> National Poem in Your Pocket Day, yes. that annual cool event. So I hope people have appreciated the poems they've heard. I do hope that they get out and buy some poetry and share it with somebody. Yes, please. You know, <laughs> savor it, share it, get out and go to readings yes. if you aren't already doing that. We have wonderful things in, in this Lawrence community. And all over. There are things going on in all kinds of places. That's my timer that I don't know how to turn off. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's a great thing to experience that connection, mm -hmm. the challenge of ideas that, that we may expose ourselves to through things that are in poetry that we might not look at information for. Like maybe I'm thinking, I don't need to know about racism. And then I hear your poem and I go, mm -hmm. oh. 
you can have a good conversation. <laughs> there are things I need to understand. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was okay, and I need to know more. You know, yeah. so poetry becomes that invitation, that challenge, that, that opportunity. Yeah. So again, I want to thank you, Simone Savannah. This has been thank a delightful you. conversation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you. And thank mm-hmm. you, listeners, for paying attention, doing goodness, all kinds of ways. Buying books. Yes, buy a book. And, and, and listen again to talk with me. Yes, there'll be more poets and others coming forth to talk about wonderful things that they're involved with, that you can get involved with, that you can learn from. Mostly artists, I do have that fondness, and writers are great on air. So thank you all, and so long to our listeners.